0: The dhamma is always with us. It's uh, it is us. The air we breathe. The fabric of the mind, the body, the world, the universe, everything is dhamma. It's always here, closer to us than we are to ourselves, much closer. Yet we miss it, we forget it because of our our habit of distraction. Wearied by the tiredness of the body, caught up by the things we see and hear, things we remember, expect, smell and taste, touch. The mind becomes distracted. We forget. We miss the Dhamma. We miss this fundamental reality of nature. All things are simply attributes of this one fundamental nature. Taking refuge in Dhamma is the direct and simple act of recollecting. To be distracted means literally to be pulled apart. To recollect means to recollect, for those distracted elements to be collected, or in a way their intrinsic wholeness to be recognized. It all belongs. Painful losses belong, delightful inspirations belong. the mundanities all belong. So much of our practice, our efforts are simply geared towards this quality of recollection. And indeed, mindfulness itself, sati, essentially means remembering. The word sati itself means memory as much as it means mindfulness. So the effort is that of remembering. Remembering what our heart knows the reality is, has been all along. The Dhamma is nothing we have to get, nothing we can lose and more than we can lose the force of gravity. The laws of physics. The way things are, it can't be lost. But it can be forgotten. So the effort becomes that too. Move against the forgetting, to move against that habit of distraction, to awaken, to remember, to offer our attention. Well, today is the last formal day of the retreat. as the hours unfolds then there'll be our closings our farewells this the body of this retreat this large multipartite jellyfish its various clustered cells will go their separate ways to carry on their apparently independent lives That's what lies before us in prospect. Many changing perceptions, more conversation, engaging, putting on the masks of our, our personae. Picking up our, our identities, no longer blob eight, row five. <laughs> blob six, row 12, blue shawl. Blob one, row nine, green jumper. (laughs) But we get our addresses, our names, our personalities. They'll come back. But hopefully in a different way. We pick up those identities, those roles with a transparency that the art of, of recollecting is something we've developed, something that's been honed during these days together. Letting the personality, our stories, be, be seen as, as transparent, empty, They have their form, their shape, like a shaft of sunlight. But there's no substance. No resistance. Nothing to land on. There are many ways we can sustain that quality of of recollection, of remembering to see clearly, unconfusedly. Just mindfulness of the body itself. The body is always in the present moment. It never goes drifting off into the past or future. It's always here. So it's a guaranteed, fail-safe connection to the reality of of the present. And it speaks a, a simple, direct, unequivocal language. Its stories are uncomplicated. So we can remember through attending to the body, developing body awareness. As we go through the day and the different events unfold and then these bodies scatter to the four directions. We can always use them as a reference point, feeling the presence of excitement or tension, ease, weariness, energy. Peacefulness, agitation, moods of love and anger, fear, excitement, jealousy, they're all spelled out here in this body. Every mood and feeling, tone of the day, it's all registered here displays itself right here in our own body. No special thing, no complication. Feelings of joy and grief, where are they in the body? We trained ourselves to to look and find them, just to know those feelings directly. Non-conceptually. Is it a tightness in the throat? An agitation through the hands? A warmth in the heart? A tightness in the belly? What is it? Where is it? And we can just use those simple sensations. The book of the body can be read at all times, all places. It's always here to help us to remember, to help the heart recollect its own nature. And listening to the sound of silence, again, if we've Develop that, if that's something that we've picked up and can hear. This too, like the body, is always here. You don't have to create it, conjure it up. It's always here, reminding us of that which is beginningless, endless, non-personal. Reminding us of this fundamental reality if we turn to it, if we notice. So maybe we pick it up first of all in the quietness of the hall or off alone in the the wood. But then as we develop it, we realize it's still here on the freeway, in the office, in the kitchen in the classroom, on the beach with the family, or we brush our teeth, in the board meeting, very useful. Ajahn Sumedho con- confesses often that he uh, took particular Made particular efforts to develop listening to the nada sound during long, boring English Sangha Trust meetings. That serene smile on his face wasn't the delight at the, the latest financial decision that was being made. But listening to that beautiful, silvery sound endlessly, murmuring. Reminding us of that which we've forgotten in the stress of our days since birth. Like the Dhamma itself, it's always here. But our distractions can make us miss it, forget it completely seems to disappear, but then when we make the effort to attend, oh look, it was here all along. Even in the midst of trauma and agitation, busyness, difficulty, it's always here, steady, energetic, unwavering. in the middle of the court case, in the middle of the wedding, alone in the park, on our pillow early in the morning. It's always here. Like a profound balancing, clarifying presence, helping the the mind, the heart, to to recollect the fundamental orderliness of Dhamma. Dhamma Dhamma-niyamata, the orderliness of, of the way nature is, the laws of cause and effect, the patterns that nature moves and changes in. As the day unfolds, these coming hours and the, the becoming urges get catalyzed, kick into action, which they naturally do because of the process of change, engaging with each other, packing up, cleaning our rooms, getting into vehicles, heading down the road, remembering about life outside of 1230 Pleasant Street. Oh yes, look at that, houses, humans, a freeway, good heavens, I forgot these existed. As it all kicks back into being, the becoming urges are naturally launched. There is becoming, there's vehicles moving down the road, bodies traveling personality is being re-inhabited. But in that movement, in those activities, there can still be the quality of stillness that is found. This is what Lumpur Chah used to call still flowing water. He would ask people, have you ever seen still water? Yes. Have you ever seen flowing water? Yes. Did you ever see still flowing water? Hmm. It says the mind is like still flowing water. The perceptions flow. Moods flow. They come and go. Transmute incessantly. But that which knows them is perfectly still, is beyond time and space, is not connected to here and there, to now and then. That which is aware is outside of time, outside of location, it's unlocated, timeless. This quality of knowing is not any place, it's not any person, it's not any time, it's not connected to these worldly dimensions, these physical dimensions. It is transcendent of time, of space, location, of personality, of self. But it's the most real thing. It is the very organ of experience itself. The primal activity of this very heart of ours, this quality of of knowing, awareness itself. So we relate to it as being still simply because it's it's outside of the, the realm of here and there, outside the realm of space, outside of time, of now and then. So there's stillness and movement. The sound changes, but that which knows the sound is not changing. Bodies move, but that which knows the body is always here. And movement and stillness cohabit this moment. Still flowing water. This is to do with letting go of the becoming. The changes happen, but the heart is not tied to them. There's the putting on of personality and activity. But the heart doesn't have to be tied to them. This is how we we find peace. It's not through stopping the world, through making no changes, through refusing to travel or trying to be a non-person giving up our name, saying, the human formerly referred to as Ajahn Amaro, then it just gets a lot longer to say your name. Much more complicated. And very irritating. (laughs) The artist formerly known as the artist formerly known as Prince It's extremely complicated. (laughs) You just use the names, but without confusion. It's much more simple. Nibbana is the cessation of becoming. It doesn't mean stopping the vehicles, getting rid of our names, erasing our personality throwing away all our money, our possessions. It's this radical letting go or recognition of non-ownership. It's an unentangled participation in the way things are. This is possible for us. This week we've been learning the art of this very non-entanglement. And our heart knows that place. Where life does its thing and yet there's total ease within it, among it. It's effortless but highly energetic, peaceful, but totally engaged. The heart knows that place, knows that quality. So the ending of the retreat this last day is a prime opportunity to exercise that, to engage that, that quality, to test that. Can we find that, that place of stillness, a place which is no place? Here in the midst of activity, in the midst of the flowing, can we feel the stillness. In the midst of sound, can we hear the silence? Within the forms, can we feel, can we know the spaciousness? Can we discern the transparency? It's always here. If we just Recollect.